0: Hey friends, it's Tim here again from Black Swamp Percussion, and you're listening to episode 20 of the Black Swamp Podcast. As always, thanks for tuning in. Feel free to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and have fun exploring our growing collection of episodes. We've had some great conversations with BSP artists and educators like Todd Meehan, Andrea Vinay, Matthew Lau, Adam Hopper, and several more over the last year. So this next episode is somewhat of a pod swap or podcast co-op with Josh Quillen of Soul Percussion. Jamel and I sat down a few weeks ago and recorded a conversation with Josh, which he just featured on his Concert Honesty podcast. If you're not familiar with Josh's podcast, you should definitely check it out. He's been killing it the last few months, releasing 100 plus episodes alone during his home quarantine and subsequent months. This includes an entire Corona cast series with a super diverse collection of percussionists and educators. And this is what's great about Josh's podcast. He's able to comfortably talk with almost anyone about any subject. It's almost like you're his best friend for an hour and a half or so during the conversation. So find Concert Honesty wherever you listen to podcasts, subscribe, and start digging in. We'll throw a link in our show notes. So percussion has been an official bsp ensemble for several years but i've known josh well before that as we're both university of akron grads go zips although we never officially crossed paths at school as i'm a few years older we've ended up connecting many times at PASIC, where our reputations preceded us besides being a world-class percussion quartet i also wanted to call attention to so percussion's ongoing dedication to both education and serving their community. This includes an annual food packing event held in tandem with their Socie Percussion Institute every summer. Soci participants, along with Josh, Eric, Adam, and Jason, spend an afternoon packing meals for Princeton-area organizations like the Mercer County Crisis Center. The quartet is also very conscious about sustainability, contributing to native energy to help offset their touring carbon footprint. To learn more about native energy, their carbon offset work, and how you can participate, follow the link in our show notes. So let's keep it moving with our conversation with Josh. This isn't a typical BSP podcast, by the way. It's pretty much just Jamel, Josh, and I riffing for over an hour. You'll almost learn more about Black Swamp than you do Josh, but that's because he's super curious about how we've been personally and professionally handling the pandemic, racial tensions since the killing of George Floyd, and what the landscape looks like moving forward for BSP, considering all of this. Oh, we also learned more about Josh's notorious online feud with Todd Behan, which I find hilarious. So here we go.
1: Hey, you guys, look at this. we got our matching mics. Although I don't have the fancy screen, the the top filter that you guys have. I have just the, the one that comes with it, so...
2: That's all right. We all have the the nice one though. It's the I guess we're we're official when you have the the one that you kind of see uh, when when you get to see behind the scenes on radio. It's, it's a real podcast. A typical... now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a real legit podcast. but well, let's um okay. let's
1: gavel this to order. So uh, Jamel Taylor and Tim Church. Jamel, that's your last name, correct? Yes. Okay, correct. great. Uh, and Tim Church, um, you guys teach or you don't teach? You, well, you do. T- maybe you teach but you work we're constantly learning you're constantly learning your students (laughs) as well um but you you both are um you work at black swamp percussion which is based in um michigan is that correct correct uh west michigan
2: uh just about a 20 30 minutes uh west of grand rapids
1: right okay um and you know uh, it's a uh, i've seen you all sort of the company grow from i mean when i was in in, an undergrad tim church you were just graduating, and I remember playing. You were playing drum set with the steel band at a at a uh, Cleveland Orchestra Pops thing. The steel band was opening for it. It was like the summer, and we. Oh were, yeah. And I was just coming to Akron that year, and so I was new to the whole thing. And I was like, "Who is this Tim Church guy? He's a wizard, you know."
0: <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and then I got but, to know you, yeah, well, and I realized I was way off base. Like, but I. Yeah. Uh,
1: you know but that's that's where you and I cross paths first and then you know Larry Snyder was like yeah Tim's now working um, at, with a very small company working out of a guy's garage in in Michigan called right. Black Swamp and I you know a wood block would trickle into Larry's studio and then <laughs> a prototype tambourine and then you know and now 15 15- Well
0: Dr Dr Snyder always liked to stretch the truth so and it, well, it did start in a garage, but when I when I was there, we we were a little more legit. We had an actual uh, space manufacturing facility, but, right? And and
1: I'm I'm sort of half joking, but but relative right. to other companies in the industry, Black Swamp was working out of your garage. I mean, let's let's just I mean, it's no different really than like so Percussion doing a start. Like there's Nexus and there's Amadinda, and then the four of us are in a garage, just kind of like, well, I guess we'll figure something out over here until somebody <laughs> notices. You know. But people are right. noticing now, and you guys are, like, making some of the best stuff out there and in terms of accessories and drums and all that, all that stuff. But that's not necessarily well, – We're. I mean, I think folks who know Soap Percussion know that we think your stuff is awesome. But we want to talk today about other stuff that's going on in the world and how we're dealing <laughs> with it. Um, and, you know, I, I don't – have a necessary agenda in terms of how we go. So um, I think we both have some or we all have similar questions for each other in terms of how this sure. stuff has been going down. But um, I actually have a lot of
0: questions for Jamel. So if he oh, and we, I could spend a lot of time fine to sit here. That's <laughs> totally good with me. No I'm kidding. Maybe
1: I'll start with a question for you guys. Um, and then we'll we'll just we'll go from there and wherever this hour takes us is where it takes us. But I I, I have been thinking a lot about process personally and like whether that is practicing your snare drum roll or learning Sheherazade or learning a good djembe sound or playing a scale on steel drum doing a podcast or learning to retool your business because a virus swept through and basically just blew it all down and you don't matter anymore like legitimately Congress doesn't even know you exist and so like just on on a like if you're a one or a zero we're all zeros all of a sudden. And <laughs> right. whether or not that's how we want to feel about things or how we view things, that is a, that's just a data point right now, or at least it was five or six months ago. And now we're sort of on, not on the tail end at all, but we're, uh, we're in a place now where there's more data points we can look to. And I'm kind of curious for you all, what has been some of the, what were some of the first days? Like when you get notification, Eric, you know, Eric, uh, is it Sui? Is that how you pronounce his last name?
2: Soy, uh, like soy. Sauce, soy, soy sauce.
1: So Eric, or the soybean, right? So Eric is sort of you know it's an organization he founded. I I maybe there's there's more nuance to that, but let, I'm just going to say Eric seems to be the guy sitting on top of this thing, and if it fails, he's going to make sure that it's his fault. You know, like that's mm-hmm. that's sort of the vibe. You know, I got well, that. Yeah. I got the emails from all the institutions I worked for too, saying we were shutting down. And so I'm kind of curious, like, what was that first day like for Black Swamp and all of you? All of you sort of staring at each other when this happened.
2: Well, uh, it it was definitely a little crazy and a little weird because, uh, but I, I mean I give a lot of credit to Eric, like you like you said. I mean, he's he's the the, the head of Hancho, and I think he was very proactive with. Uh, you know with what the governor was 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 putting out prior to Mm -hmm. so i know the day we officially closed uh march 20th was the official date and before before we got the the notice from the governor i know they were basically putting they were they were putting out you know i don't know press releases letting them people know that this was going to be coming down the pike and uh eric before i mean we were all working you know we had full staff, everyone was working. And mm-hmm. uh, Eric's just like, we're going to stop what we're doing. And everyone's going to get on unemployment because the the word is, is that we're, you know, everyone's going to, we have to shut down, you know, unless you're an essential service, we have to shut down, mm-hmm. which, I mean, that was really key. Um, because if you know anything about a lot of the states with their uh, unemployment uh, agencies and unemployment uh, you know the process. They weren't designed for millions of people to hit it at once. Right. So it's, well, no, none um, of
1: the, I mean that's that's the fundamentals. That's like you know, what is in Star Wars when the the first one where they're like they're like you have to shoot the laser like stay on course, stay on target, like <laughs> stay yes. on target. There's stay the on one little that little tiny soft underbelly on the entire insurance, any insurance, car insurance, okay. flood insurance. Is if the entire world gets flooded, all of a sudden no one has insurance. Like it's like it's a little tiny bit of a Ponzi scheme of like. Let's hope not everybody li- realizes this is all yeah. fake. <laughs> you know? Well yeah, well it's or crazy. Not fake, because but y- like you f- know, it's 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 tenuous at best. Oh
2: yeah. And and some of that some of the the uh, those unemployment uh the, the, the systems that they're using are out of date mm. and you know, some of that in terms of not keeping it up to date or making it difficult some of that's by design um Mm -hmm. and some of that is is just you know just poor you know housekeeping and and keeping up for that i mean that's not the sexy things to have to pay for uh at your at your local level you know they want millions or billions of dollars to you know to update you know from COBOL uh the the computer programs that they're using that were you know no Made back in the early '90s, or, or mm-hmm. you know, uh, that they, you know, and now you have all these people hitting it. But that Eric being proactive, you know, with that uh, was was key because when. Everyone started filing. We were already registered and we could already get because even an hour, two hours later, once the the governor had announced what was going on, just trying to get back on to check your status. I mean, it was the it was crashing. You couldn't get yeah. on. But because he was on top of that from from, you know, just the the first second, um, we were able to get everybody uh, registered and and work through the problems together as a team Amazing. as we were kind of because we just had everyone go to a computer in the shop everyone go to your office go to sh- go you know shop computer and just start registering and we're going to work through this together well, so that that was really key
1: sorry to interrupt there, there would you both mind just before we get going forward can you pull your mics down so they sort of point at this part of your chin Oh yeah, not a problem. Oh, I just can see. You. <gasps> There's your faces. We live in a masked world anyway, and I, know, I don't. I, I, I want to see teeth, baby. I want to see teeth. Yeah. Um, Tim, what about you? Like, I, you know, I, I've interacted with you as on the educational side of things, and I know you you do a million sure. other things there. But what was your first day like? Like when you got the news that this was?
0: Yeah. Well, happening? I mean, we were all uh, like, just Jamel said we were all in the same boat. We were all there together, um, and we were. I think Jamel. And Eric and I kind of keeping an eye on what was happening, even that morning. Mm-hmm. And it was actually Jamel's, not Jamel. Jamel doesn't have a son. Eric, unless he might. <laughs> I don't know, unless there's something he hasn't told me. Eric has a son who lives in Colorado now. And he's actually the one that texted Eric and was like, yo, we I literally just heard, like, Governor Whitmer's going to shut down in Michigan. Mm-hmm. And so that's w- that's when Eric literally pulled everybody together. Um, you know, we stood right where Jamel's sitting right now and we're like, you know, this is coming in like an hour. She's going to do a press conference. Let's all get on unemployment right now. So yeah, that was like super key. And then from there, honestly, it was pretty surreal. Like we, you know, we all registered. We all, that was in the morning and mm-hmm. it was kind of like, what do we, what do we do now? Um, we cranked out some shipments <laughs> cause we knew we weren't coming back in on Tuesday, right. which kind of bit, it, bit us in the butt a little bit because, uh, you know, we're sending stuff to retailers and they're in a similar or worse position than we are not mm-hmm. getting paid from customers or from schools or things aren't going through and they, they're they they're scaling down. So, you know, that's ultimately something that we had to work through six, eight weeks later trying to get payment from, from customers, stuff like that. So, but it was pretty surreal. Um, and almost, I don't know if all the guys would say this, I know Eric and I sort of said it was, It was sort of a, somewhat of a relief, I think, because there was a lot of question beforehand. Like, what are we, what are we gonna do? Like, if we don't shut down, but the world slowly starts to, to unwind, you know, how are we gonna handle this as a company? So it was almost like, okay, we know what we're gonna do today, right now, and that's file for unemployment and go home. (laughs) So man, I gotta say, like,
1: it's amazing to me. I mean, I, I found myself having very strange moments of empathy for organizations I never thought I would for instance, And now now, granted yep. my empathy has been adjusted as time has moved on to I think more appropriately be spread about to organizations that deserve it and need it and require it but early on like the SBA loans, the stuff that was coming from like the, the government, the first $3 trillion stimulus thing, like there's all those payroll protect, protection program, the PPP program Eric and so is the guy that deals with all the grants he deals with that sort of stuff and so he gets in there and thank God Eric reads fine print because we had this we had similar things are like okay we got to like do pay cuts like the first day for us we were in a we were collaborating with four student composers from University of Pennsylvania and the government starts to like, nope, we got to shut it down. We're realizing that's going to get canceled. It's just chaos. We have a huge, cut not a huge fight, but like a band fight in front of these four students. <laughs> sort of like, you know, like everything we do is already tenuous anyway. Like, and now all of a sudden this is all being blown up. And, and so we had a little bit of a band fight. And then we started to sort of like figure out like, well, okay, well, what? Like okay, Josh, you go. Just make sure you know where every dollar we have like is, and know like where. That's my job. I'm gonna start figuring out what we need to cut. What we so you're cut. Josh. I'm Josh. You're yeah, Josh. Here. Okay. Yeah. So Eric, you go look at this thing, and you you get your head around this program. Jason, you start sharing sure up gigs, and Adam, you're on the PR tip. Like you have got to figure out how we're gonna talk about what's happening. Right. Well, mm-hmm. Eric gets in there, and he's like. I'm about to run a, like, 20% payroll cut across the board for all of us, including our staff, just so we can run payroll for the next three months. And I'm about to click the button, and Eric is like, no, don't do it. We, in order to get the PPP loans, we have to have everybody at full payroll. If you cut payroll, you don't have access. At least that's what the rules were telling Eric. Three hours before the deadline to file was approaching is when the government gave Bank of America all of the paperwork. So regardless of what I think about Bank of America and their abdication of their duty to us as citizens, they got the paperwork three hours before I was. we were allowed to apply for it. So of course they're not going to know what's in it, right? Yeah. Like there's no way. And so they're just like, oh, my God, we've got to get this up by midnight. So they put this thing up. Eric is like – and we managed to get in, get in the door early and get in, but it's like – when I see reports of, you know, Ruth's Chris Steakhouse gets the bailout, but the small bakery didn't, it's like, well, yes, because the small bakery doesn't have people like Eric Chabich necessarily or a team of lawyers looking at this stuff. Right. They're a small bakery. They, they make bread, you, you know, like they, you, right. it's a little different situation. So initially seeing that chaos play out in real time was like, oh, my God, like, do you know what Occam's razor is? it's like the the, the, the desire to pre- ascribe malice to something that's just incompetence you know and it's like oh my right. god oh my god like, oh, I thought... like this is not surprising <laughs> to me that this is happening
0: so josh were you were you in our uh staff meetings then the last uh six to eight months Why? Or not months? not six to eight weeks because that's that's like exactly what we've were talking about um like how we were for really fortunate like you know, already Eric um, uh, was on top of things, but we have a, a CFO, financial officer, who's actually like really keyed into what what's happening. Um, uh, reading stuff online, both Eric and Kristen reading stuff online, uh, doing webinars, keep you know keeping in touch with the bank, and we're like, if we didn't have the two of them, like. We we would have been lost, just like the baker that you're, you know, whoever whoever you're talking about, uh, like doesn't have doesn't stand a chance. Um, yeah, so I for- don't
2: know. I I mean, I don't know if when if when you're a small business, I don't know how you balance those uh-huh. new. Uh, You know, grants and new loans and stuff that you wouldn't even know that you're eligible for a small business. Because let's think about it. You know, when you're a small business, you're usually getting into something that's your passion. You're not getting into it to do the finances. No one. Most people don't create a business. (laughs) Me. You know, unless you're. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, a, a CFO or an, or accountant, you, you want to work with numbers. But if you're you're a musician or you're a baker, you I mean, you chose that to do you, you work with your passion. So all these other, you know, government, you know, benefits that would be in there. I mean, that's stuff that you would think you would never have to look at. Yeah. Or you you know, and if you're a small business, you can't really afford uh, if you're you know to to pay you know a, a CFO or someone you know a, you know a top notch bookkeeper i mean a lot but we've gotten really lucky the bookkeeper that we have i mean she's fantastic uh and she i mean (laughs) she can she can you know file grants she she basically goes above and beyond what you would typically you know i think a lot for a lot of small businesses you have someone who's doing your 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 bookkeeping and maybe they're in a couple days a week or or something like that she she was in every day um and she can she I mean, just short of making instruments, she can do anything. She's a superwoman, um, and then we have oversight with our CFO, um, who also is very innovative in, in how we can, you know, uh, you know, make sure that we're we're cutting costs in the right way. But I just don't know. I mean, had we been in the same position that we were the last recession, um, I don't know that we'd be here today. Um, well, I do know that we wouldn't be here today. Um, <laughs> no. we're ju- we were just uh, we were just in a much more financial sound position prior to COVID, and having you know the right people, uh, the CFO and bookkeeper in place that we didn't have around <laughs> the first recession, that just makes a world of difference.
0: Um, it- and again, that's that's also credit to Eric because after the first recession, we decided that we needed a CFO, we needed a, a competent bookkeeper that could kind of help keep track all that, of all that stuff. So Jamel's totally right. That's what is helping us uh, to survive right now. Well, can I ask and, you
1: and, real, real quick? I mean, you guys, I mean, I, I mentioned, up, I joked up front about being in the garage, but I, I think soap percussion has a similar trajectory in terms of like, the first, the financial collapse in 2007, eight and the fallout from that the next couple of years, um, you know, so was ju- there. We lost a few grants, but we were sort of too small to fail. Like we had huh. a thousand different revenue streams that were all giving us like one hundred and twelve dollars, you know, rather than having one big fifteen thousand dollar grant or donor, you know. And over since then, we sort of squirted out the other end of that of like, oh, man, like I can't believe like just nobody noticed we were there. Like that's how small we were. And over time, though, we started to be like, man, like we saw larger organizations crumble because they had leveraged themselves against other things. And I wouldn't say it was a conscious effort on our our half, but like that trauma of like sitting on the Queensborough Bridge the day Lehman, Lehman Brothers folded and being like, and hearing people say the stock market might hit zero, and what does that mean? You know, I'm driving to rehearsal like John Cage matters that day, <laughs> <You're right. laughs> you know. And yeah. uh, and uh, I, you know, but that trauma, I think, then you know, two years later, when So gets a gig, I'm like, well, I'm just gonna stick 500 in the savings account, and then we just did that every gig, and we're not like out of the woods by any means, but now I think we're, we're definitely not too small to fail anymore. But I think we had put a few more like floaties on our arms in the last 10 years. And now that there's a flood, we're sort of like we're all paddling like the rest of everybody else. But it seems like with you all, like the little things that Eric and you all sort of like started to put in place and you saw where the holes in your ship were, you know, and you started to patch them. And that I'm curious if that was like looking back on it. Are you seeing those things like how are you prepping thinking forward now? Like we're now in another trauma. We'll have another one. In 10 years that's similar to this what are you all thinking of now moving forward
2: well i mean i I think you know looking at personnel that we have i mean we definitely want to try to keep our our core team i mean maybe that's what bit us in the butt because i would just brag to you know other people in the industry about how great our team we've assembled in terms of hiring and um just i mean they come to everyone comes to work on time everyone you, you know they're (laughs) <laughs> They're texting each other outside of work. I mean, it's just a really mm-hmm. interesting, um, you know, environment. And in order to, you know, we're trying to do the best that we can to keep that. Um, you know, I know I'm getting off t- task from the... No, i But, I, I mean, the, some, some of the best things that we we have is, you know, we've got a, a solid bank account going into that. And that's something that we didn't going into the recession. I yeah. mean, that's just being... Uh, honest you know we were, we're you know running as, as lean as we can uh in terms of what we kept on the shelf for inventory and you know uh what we paid employees and uh now we're we're you know hiring the cfo and someone to you know uh, look for grants and uh help us with you know loans and stuff like that even though i mean eric would say that he's not great at that stuff but I mean, he's just been clutch. I mean, I don't know any, I mean, I, I think of it being, if, if this was my business, there's just so much that I wouldn't know. And that's a combination of Eric, you know, taking the initiative to find those things. And on top of it, you know, our CFO helping point out all the things, you know, in the, because it, it's a network, you know, mm-hmm. it, the more people, you know, the more, y- you know, um, well, I'm, I'm, they... I'm
1: constantly reminded why I'm not a solo musician. I mean, when I play concerts, <laughs> like, and I'm, I'm over here shitting the bed. I'm just like, oh, man, I'm so glad Jason's here, <laughs> you know. And then the same thing goes in meetings. I, I, you know, there's certain I'm not very good at PR. I don't know how to use social media properly to advertise for things um, and build a followership. But Adam and Emily do. And so I'm just really glad that they're. I don't have to think about it. And there's some there's a little bit of solace. In, and that means that I can use my time and my energy more efficiently on the things that the organization needs me to do, which sometimes is money managing, but is also playing concerts. Like I have to, if I don't do that well, then none of this matters. If you guys are super good at managing your budgets and the CFO is awesome, but your wood blocks, your wood blocks crack every time you hit them. The CFO doesn't matter at that point. Like, like, you know, like it doesn't (laughs) matter. Yeah.
0: Yeah, We call that, um, putting, people on the right people on the right seats in the bus basically. So we were all in this, all in this bus driving down the road and we got to have the right people, the right mix of personalities, the right mix of, of interests. I mean, I, I'll be straight up honest. I, even, even though I was Eric's essentially first part-time and then first full-time employee, like heavy woodworking was like never my thing, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I've never been kind of wired like that where you know, Jamel came in uh, with with that specific intent. And then Jamel has also built employees that were like me, you know, when I was there aging their 20s that, you know, barely knew how to use a cordless screwdriver. And and now they're making log drums and they're making wood blocks and temple blocks and tambourines and stuff like that. So it's, and then we have the right mix of personalities. So I think like kind of what Jamel was getting at is we have like an awesome mix of um, men and women right now that, kind of have those different areas of interest and and passion and and stuff that kind of keeps us all going keeps us all moving down the road and like speaking of team right now like we're still we're not a hundred percent like I mean Jamel's doing uh 90 percent of the manufacturing uh Eric is is doing some manufacturing I'm doing all the shipping (laughs) I cleaned the toilet yesterday um I I listen,
1: you are gonna get no (laughs) argument from me on cleaning toilets. I believe very strongly. I mean, I'm never gonna like have an intern and force them to clean a toilet as their first act with so percussion, but like (laughs) I do I sweep the floors. I have. I don't I haven't done it in a second, but like for the first ten years of this organization, like if the floors needed cleaned It was one of us like, like, so I'm not, I'm not, I would never ask somebody to do something that I haven't or wouldn't do myself. Like that's, that's a very important thing in terms of building culture in your organization, whether it be loading a cargo van
2: and morale.
1: Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, Jamel.
2: Oh no! I just agreeing with you. I mean, that's how you build culture. That's how you build build morale, and that's how you build trust amongst your, you know, your other employees. That if you're gonna ask them to do something, you you should be able, you should be willing, and uh, should have done it in well, the past as well. Can I
1: can I ask you guys? This is, um, you know, one of the things I, I mentioned before. We sort of got rolling that it's this this time has caused me to sort of reflect on my own process and think of like all right what are the hills i'm willing to die on what are the things that i'm willing to spend money on? like a podcast i've decided i don't care how much money it loses me because i don't care there and i don't feel that way about other things in my life you know timpani gigs i like they have to make me money i don't like playing timpani that much you got to pay me yeah. to you got you got to get me you got to give me money to get me out of the house to play tubs. You know, like that's just the deal. But with podcasting, I've, this has made me realize like, oh, OK, I, I don't care if I lose money on this. Um, and it's made me sort of like reassess my ethics, my ma- my like personal manifesto, my mission of like what I personally want to do. And then how I graft that on to so percussion and then how that I'm only one, one fifth of or one fourth of that organization. And then I've got, I have to weave those in with everybody else's. And then so is now has a thing that has to have, we're reassessing what our ethics are, what our mission is, what it is we want to do that doesn't have anything to do with chamber music, like food packing or, um, you know, advocacy in different ways, like, for you all what on an organizational level i mean this is the the hot topic right now is like what are organizations doing and i understand every, i see i see useful things in all of the approaches but i'm very curious the, the thing i never find useful is when somebody says that there's a binary approach to it that you, uh-huh. if you're not doing it this way, then you must be a racist or a bigot or a misogynist. And if you are doing it this way, then you are the second coming of Christ. And I'm like, I know a few people who might have a little more nuance to that discussion. <laughs> and the way So Percussion, not only, despite what So Percussion wants to do, there are things, like you said, the right people in the right seat of the bus that are the ship or whatever it is. Like, our organization is suited to, to do certain things and I can have a big impact in very specific ways. And that is different than the way black swamp is set up and the way that you all personally have your own personal. So I'm anyway, my, my question is not very clear, but I'm curious, (laughs) maybe, maybe we'll start with Tim like, and then and Jamel, get your thoughts on this. How have you personally been sort of reassessing how you interface with the world with, and again, I don't care about your politics, I genuinely don't. But I'm curious about you, how you've been reassessing your own personal views. But then how as an organization that has met? Because you're in Michigan. I'm assuming not everybody in your – I'm just going to assume not everybody at Black Swamp sees everything exactly the same way. Mm Because if you did, you would be maniacs and you'd be robots. Um, So long question is over. Tim, how have you guys been thinking about
0: this? Yeah. um, Well, I'll start – I'll start at the end first. What? Yes, n- not everybody at Black Swamp sees things the same the same way politically, uh, religiously, uh, socially. On so food, have, what's the, the best food pizza? Exactly. Like, I'm I'm, I'm right. saying that as a jest, right.
1: but I mean it seriously. Like you, if yeah, we can't yeah, agree sure. on what whether Chicago style deep dish is even pizza, right. then why are we going to assume what we're going to do with the police is going to be an easy solution? You know what I mean? Like right. like let's. Let's try to dig a, a scotch deeper if we can on this uh, on this stuff. And w-
0: and we've had some very uh, interesting lunch table conversations over the last mm-hmm. few years. So personally, you said two words that I have actually been thinking about a lot, and that is that is binary and nuance. Like mm-hmm. things th- things are not binary. Just like the example you used, just because um, you don't use racial slurs doesn't necessarily mean you're 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 a good person or you're not a racist for that for that matter, as far as systematically or systemically. Um, the, and then also nuance, like things aren't, aren't binary. There's a lot the it's, things are complicated and there's a lot mm-hmm. going on. So honestly, the last four or five years I've been in kind of a very heavy, I guess, research and de- like personal research and development phase. And, and the, that, that, you know, that time isn't coincidental. You know, what happened four or five years ago um, with, you know, the last election and then the Black Lives Matter movement kind <clears> of <throat> taking shape. So I've been just doing a lot of introspection, you know, what it means um, to be a liberal or conservative, what it means to be a Christian, what it, what it, you know, means to have some, some, uh, Social conscience, you know, mm. and starting mm. to connect these dots and put these pieces together. Uh, I am <clears throat> unquestionably fortunate to work with Jamel, to have known him for uh, fifteen plus years, maybe. And I don't know if you know our history goes back before we've been working at Black Swamp together, so we knew each since other since two
2: thousand one. Okay,
0: yeah, so almost twenty years and and then working together i think yep. jamel's been with us 15 years so you know in that time we've kind of been able to have these uh intense <laughs> sometimes conversations about a, a whole multitude of things yeah mm. what food we like um you know, politics religion uh race things like that so it uh, it was it's been uh, kind of a whirlwind, especially the last, I'd say, six to 12 months for me, like really digging in, um, not necessarily a midlife crisis, but it, what, it, what I've been told is more of a midlife evaluation kind of thing, mm-hmm. like where I fit in with, with kind of everything that's happening in the world and how I'm kind of reckoning with, with um, being a white male, upper <laughs> middle class, uh, 45-year-old, Christian. So, mm-hmm. does that kind of get us on the right path? No, yeah, no, I and, mean,
1: I I don't think, well, first of all, I want to be very careful here not to make anybody feel like like there's no need for you to ask a question to me about whether what you just said was appropriate. <laughs> that's how you feel sure. and like yeah. the intention here, like it's clear to me that 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 everybody here is the intentions are good. So, I don't yeah, of course that's yeah, yeah. We're, we're on the that that was honest and that's all I'm looking for. Yeah. Um and for me like I've had similar, I have a whole slew of things that I, I'm like, yep, I think I I was wrong about this. I, I may be wrong about this thing, but I actually don't feel like I know enough to say, so I'll put a pin in it, come back to it later. Yeah. And then there's other things I'm like, actually, I think everybody else is nuts, and I'm right yeah. on this. You know, like, and actually seeing this whole, seeing whatever it be, like, it's not been a lot of things, but there's a few things I'm like, oh, yeah. I never want to speak to anybody like that and seeing how that interaction went down reminded me why. And yeah. so to me, that's been, that's been interesting for, for Jamel. Wh- where's your head been with all this stuff and how have you been personally dealing with, it, but then how does it intersect with, with your, you know, your black swamps culture and how they're dealing with it?
2: Well, uh, that's a, uh, let me see if I can start at a and get to Z. <laughs> um, uh, we have a very unique atmosphere at Black Swamp. I mean, the fact that we're smaller, mm-hmm. um, the fact that, you know, we have a lot of people. Or, well, I shouldn't say a lot, but the, the core group of people have worked here for, you know, uh, you know, 10 or 20, 15, 12 years. Even a bookkeeper CFO have been with us for a long time. Mm-hmm. So my approach during these times has been different than would it in, in this black swamp specifically than it would have been in any other place that i've worked in the past Mm. Um, because you don't typically talk about race or politics especially you know if you are a person of color or black you you can you you it's pretty common to talk you talk about race with other people of color in your job inside the job outside the job but when other people who aren't from that community come around you button up because you don't want that to get you fired because if that starts that's that's always been the trend in the past so mm-hmm. that's and and that's I, I had tread, tread very lightly uh, in the beginning working at Black Swamp just because you don't know people tell you who they are but then people show you who they are so you wait until you, you I, I wait people out to see who they who you know everyone says they're a nice person or a nice guy or gal but I want to see if what they preach is backed up by how, what they do. Mm -hmm. Um, and I found it's comfortable and found it okay to speak out more about my experiences that I've had. Um, and that's, as it pertains to working at black swamp. Um, and you know, I grew up in a predominantly white area. Mm -hmm. So I've also in the last five years, you know, just come, to grips with how I contribute to the black community as a black male who has grown up in a white community. Mm-hmm. Um, how, can I commu- how can I contribute to something that, there are some experiences you know, living in you know, South Side uh, Chicago that I didn't have to you know, experience. So I'm not in touch with that, but I have family or friends who, who do and part of what I see that I can contribute during these times is me as a black person, understanding white people and how they underst- how they feel and how they're going to react to, you know, black people trying to, and people, other people of color, trying to explain this situation. Mm-hmm. So almost being a mediator in some senses, mm-hmm. Um, during these times because I've, I, you know, I've lived the experience of a black man. Uh, I've lived the experience of a black man in white culture. Um, mm-hmm. So I kind of feel like I, I've got that, that go between. Um, and I try to be tolerant. Um, and, and that's kind of what I'm, I'm, I've been drawing on during these times is, you know, there's a, during the, you, you go to high school, middle school, college with people and you, you never, you know especially i've gone to a lot of pre- predominantly white institutions and 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 done a lot of work in predominantly white spaces mm-hmm. and you don't you can go through those spaces and not talk about race whereas i can go home and talk about race and have those conversations these nuanced conversations i can go to other family members and other people and have these conversations and but what i found especially during you know uh you know Trayvon Martin and all these things that come through the news that you bring up topics and you didn't know how far apart you were with people that you shared laughs with people you shared music with and and just because and it's like well yeah they didn't experience that and I didn't help because I didn't express my you know the my displeasure or my uncomfort my discomfort with family member or you know some of their family members that said certain things that cuz i just wanted to as a black man growing up in white spaces just wanted to assimilate and try to be the same even though i was you know had parents who you know you know grew up during you know the civil rights time and were denied rights themselves that would, would tell me, you know, they're not looking at you the same. And I'm just like, oh no, I'm the, you know, you can't tell me that Billy and Bobby that live down the street, that their parents are going to treat me differently. They, they treat me just the same, but it's like, no, they don't. (laughs) And and, and that's, you know, and, and me not pointing those things out was to no one's benefit. Um, But when you grow up in those spaces, you always want to it's embarrassing to, ha- to have to have your parents come into those situations and, and, and feel like they have to protect you um, yeah. from those things or, you know, uh, deal with, I mean, the first time I was ever called the N word was when I was on the playground in, in, in middle school or elementary school. Mm-hmm. So, and having them come in and, and deal with that was extremely embarrassing. I mean, and I didn't talk about that with a lot of my white friends. A lot of my white friends would say, I didn't know that happened. It's like, yeah. And the principal got involved. I mean, that was a whole deal, yeah. but they would say it's, but it's embarrassing to be a wh- black man in that space. To when you just want to go and hang out with your other white friends, you don't want to alienate them. So for me during these times, I've just kind of been taking it as a time to kind of explain that, yes, these are my experiences. Yes, these things happen. And because you, a lot of white people will look of my white friends will look at me and say, you know oh but you're not like those black people it's like yes i am i am those black people i am all black people so when you say those things and say you, those you know, you know hurtful things about that the black community you're saying that about me as well so i need you to understand that and i need you to listen to me as a person who can connect with that community uh, and, and as a part of that community and use that as your way in to ask questions, let's have an open hearted conversation because I've known you for, you know, th- 20, 30 years. <laughs> I've, I, you know, so let's take this opportunity because I know where your heart's at, but you just don't understand all the history and you didn't have the same talks that I did with my parents. You know, we went to different <laughs> homes. We came to the same school, but we went to different homes and had different talks and we had different experiences.
1: It's amazing to me that, I mean, like, I mean, you just hit the nail on the head like people that you know for 20 or 30 years your parents like your grandparents like the first time I heard the n-word was from a grandparent and um this was a person who taught me how to throw a baseball and you know all of the things and was fought post-world war Two, was in the navy seabees like fought the nazis like I you know so it's It's just so, so messy, and and this inability or the fear, I think, of just trying to talk about this stuff is the thing, I think, that keeps us back most times. I think most, I will say a lot of, you know, when I hear people say things about, you know, the Midwest is on fire with, you know, don't go there. There's streets filled with MAGA hats, and I'm like, yeah, you'll see a few. But I'm going to push back a little bit on this idea that the streets are filled with MAGA hat wearing People. And they're like, yeah, but Charlottesville, I agree with you. I, I just – I don't want us to have the perception that every street is like that because it's not true. And here – like, I'm going to share my experience. I grew up in a very small rural town, cornfield all around. Two black people, I think, in my entire high school. The first per- black person I ever really spoke to was Cliff Alexis, who's a oh. Trinidadian man, who just randomly, because of my high school percussion teacher, Joan Wenzel, brought him – like – It was like this total happenstance thing because Joan being an advocate for the steel band, that was my interface with a black person who sat me down and said, I have scars on my head because a cop beat me. And I was like, why would a cop beat anybody? Like, I didn't know. Like, I never inter. My my friend, Steph Hanner, her mom was the cop. She would come over to our, like, she would drive by and flash the lights and we were like, oh my God, it's Miss Hanner, you know? And... So for me, that like as a 17-year-old kid, that was my first interaction with somebody of like, I trust her, she brought him, he told me something I don't understand, but I trust him because she brought him. So he must be, huh, okay, interesting. And -hmm. then years go by and I meet him again and I see him again and then I meet Ray Holman and then I meet Boogsy Sharp and then I go to Trinidad and it's like you have these experiences, but most people don't, not most people, a lot of people don't get those experiences. And when I see people make binary statements or have this, these tensions of like, just like, Oh my God, if you just played in a steel band for five minutes, you won't have all the answers, but the conversation will just be way easier. Like it's not the payoffs worth it. I guess, no matter how hard the conversation is, the payoff is worth it. Um, And I'm really, I don't know. I just like these times right now, when you were asking sort of like, we were talking about what we're going to talk about. i I. I'm very I don't know about you guys like I'm very concerned about us as a people as a community and our inability to sort of see each other as common ground rather than two plots of land that need to sort of convince each other that you need to come over here because your plot of land is rotten. And I don't know, I'm, I'm sort of asking here, like I've just tossed a grenade in the room. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know necessarily how to do it other than clearly like maybe if everybody worked at Black Swamp, they'd have an easier <laughs> idea of at least maybe not the right conversation no. all the time. But like you guys said, you yeah. have, you've had stressful moments between you, each other. Like oh, I've yeah. had stressful moments between me and some of my black friends before. They've taught me a lot, but it's not happened on Facebook. It's happened like... In a panyard during a break, when I make a joke about something and they sort of all look at me funny, like they know my intent, but I'm like, "Oh, okay, yeah, I, that was my bad." You know, like that's how it happens, and it's happened to me hundreds of times. <laughs> you know, but for my poor mom or my my aunt or whoever who maybe just has never interfaced, for her she has that one reaction and it just gets lit up on Facebook, and she's just like, "Well, I don't want to deal with it at all. They're all crazy." I'm like, "Mom." It's no, no, they're not. But mm-hmm. just you know. Anyway, sorry, that was a long ramble. But no, uh,
0: I mean, I think it's. I mean, it's so so ingrained in our in our society that sort of binary nature. Yeah, it's either you you agree with me, or you don't. Or I saw a, a video on on YouTube that that doesn't agree with something you said or I said. So whatever you said or I said is discredited. So. Um, I don't know I, but I do think like the adage like it's you know we can agree to disagree I think is fair to a point too like we can agree to mm. disagree on what kind of pizza you like okay but you, we can't agree to disagree on 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 how to treat our our fellow human beings <laughs> you know what I mean right, like right, right. so so um I just think it's just so kind of infused in our culture and and you know obviously social media doesn't help I mean I go to bed some nights you know my wife and i'm just like pissed off cuz i saw you know one post of somebody you know that i know that i just completely 100% disagree with and i was like how, how do we live in you know in the same town and 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 see the same things and listen to the same you know sermon or whatever and like walk away with two completely contrasting kind of
1: well, ideas the, the same the same person on my facebook feed who i have known for years will post something, you know, posted, you know, stuff during the, you know, the pro still does like that. I agree with about, you know, police or about George Floyd, like all those things. And I'm just like, yes, totally agree. And in the same breath, we'll post a pandemic video, like, <laughs> and I'm like, that's Jamel, <laughs> no, and I, I'm just like, but but again, it's like I my I am trying real hard again thinking about the empathy for like institutions. Like I I see this as like not. It's like of course I know this person. I know they're not crazy, but this is a symptom of like, if you can in one breath support this thing that's so clearly obvious, you know that like right. like with George Floyd, and then in the other breath post a video of a woman who's ranting about alien DNA,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I'm just sort of like, I can we just stop for two seconds? Like, what are we doing?
0: Yeah. <laughs> what are yeah. we doing yeah.
1: here, people? Like, like I, I don't know, I. And so when I see like when you reached out to talk do this podcast, I'm just sort of like, sure, let's talk about triangles. I don't know like what <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, well no
0: I, yeah, I mean it, it does there's definitely been moments where um, you know after this last six or eight weeks where I'm like, you know you know I don't even feel like going into work um, <laughs> sometimes I don't you know I'm able to work from home fortunately, mm-hmm. but it's it it does it seems like almost irrelevant, you know sometimes whether not only we we're um, struggling with a pandemic and, and keeping our business alive and in a flow. And then there's just like this massive social unrest that um, is kind of weighing on the country. So it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, why, why am I going to try to sell a tambourine today? You know, what?
1: It's hard. It it's like hard. Much. It's yeah. hard to see stuff rationally, you know, right, like right. it doesn't, you but cannot think... connect one-to-one like right. the world's on fire and, because and... somebody was murdered and you're like, you're like nailing a piece of calfskin onto a right. very fragile wood right. hoop. Like that's meanings uh, in that like that means anything, right? Then you know, yeah. <laughs> um,
0: it but clearly and does. fellows. I'm just I'm just, I'm just, 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 no, just to we, be clear. I love tambourines. <laughs> I hate my heart yeah. for the tambourine. We we understand the perspective, but uh, yeah, but it's like I mean, social media. I mean, I just try to take it with a grain of salt, and then also uh, curate. I mean, my my feed to represent, to not live in a vacuum. So I try to have different, you know, legitimate news sources Mm -hmm. or people that I follow that, that aren't just kind of my thoughts and my views, but um, maybe aren't so wildly, uh, you know, polar opposite. So I try not to live in a vacuum. I think what you're kind of talking about a little bit too, is proximity, like being around um, Mm -hmm. people that look, that talk, that act different than you. And it's, and I think you can do that um, online or with, you know, even through the the business, through the company. I mean, I fully admit it's hard in West Michigan. Um, So, you know, I'm at the point now where, okay, how do I, how do I start kind of fostering and building some other relationships Mm -hmm. that I don't, that aren't necessarily just online, but kind of diversifying in that sense, building some proximity and, and learning more about experience and, and so i guess that's
1: kind of can can i ask you um i want to ask you something that's sort of just like as if you guys were our teachers for two seconds because you know uh, one of the things i go
0: to i go to school every day with jamel man he well
1: (laughs) you know uh, one of the things that forced so's hand i mean there's the obvious like oh my god we have to figure out the ppp loans and we got like oh my we can't tour in the fall what does that mean but then we had SoC was coming up and, you know, you guys have been supporting Soci with product and, and, you know, and just being involved almost since Soci started, it seems. But all of a sudden now we had to do something that for 11 years is in person now online. And we, I was already zoomed out from teaching in the in the spring. And I thought it was going to be a complete failure. And there's something odd that happens when you have a sort of you don't have plan B. There was no option to sort of it was like, we had to do it. You know, we had money on the line. We had students who had applied and were like accepted. So, and the thing that it did is it sort of forced us to get better at a lot of things we had been putting off, like recording ourselves at home. None of us are good at that. Editing, playing with a click. I mean, we play with a click a lot, but like teaching students how to play with a click. How do you record at home? How do you record, how do you do audio or video? What's Mm -hmm. logic? What's final cut? Like all of these things that are sort of like Business necessities for, I imagine, Black Swamp having, being able to make a YouTube page and like have right. a video demonstrating your product. Somebody there has to know how to do Final Cut or Adobe or something, right? Those are all things that we never yeah. had to deal with. All of a sudden, we I, it was just strange. We had all of this content that we finally were able to work on, and we got out there. And it was like, oh, awesome. Like We can do that. The other thing is it gave us access to students and artists that we wanted to work with. Before, but had only ever been putting priority and uh, being in the room with well now I can hang with we can work with people in Trinidad easily because of zoom and these other things mm-hmm. that now are we're better at and there are these tools that I wasn't good at zoom in April I had it, the idea of collaborating with somebody from Trinidad <laughs> on zoom was the farthest thing from my mind at that point but now no. I'm better at riding this bike. I don't need the training wheels anymore, and I can collaborate with somebody in Ghana if I wanted to. Okay, you know, sorry for my language. I don't know if your podcast yeah. uh, we're gonna put explicit <laughs> lyrics on this one. Um, yeah, right. That's fine. So for you, I, I'm. And so my advice to students right now is like, you know, I, I have a percussion quartet at NYU that I coach, and they're sort of understandably afloat in this, lost in this fog right now. And I'm just like, fellas, get online. Here we go. We just did it at Sosy. Like, there's no. T- you. What are you doing? You know. Like, let's figure it out. And so what advice would you have for people who, you know, people who are in the music industry, who are coming up, who maybe want to go the business side of things? I don't want to say business side as if you're like, well, I guess I can't play. It's like, no, some people really do enjoy making and building stuff. So if there is a young student who sees what you all are doing and is like, I happen to love making my own wood slats for zanakis and I love all this tinkering stuff. What in the world sort of opportunity do they have to look forward to and how are they supposed to skin this cat in the way that black swamp was doing 15 years ago out of eric's garage
2: well uh you know for so basically you're asking how does someone who's maybe in college or going into college how do they i'm gonna ask the dumb
1: question black swamp let's assume you guys have checked all the boxes you are now what's called a successful institution you did it congrats fellas (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, we're, good to well, hear. you have a banner behind you, Tim, that somebody mm-hmm. could afford enough to have printed and hung yeah. in your office and still pay you in Jamel. So clearly you guys are a success. <laughs> right. So um, other people can look at that. I guarantee you people are looking at you guys and feel like what you are doing is impossible and there's no effing way they would ever have a chance to do it. What would you say to somebody who says that to your face?
2: Well, if I mean, we do get that question, you know, uh, when we go to different shows, be it PASIC or Nam, mm-hmm. And I think especially when we're looking through resumes and, and putting feelers out for people, it's always nice. There's a lot of people that say, man, I really want to get into it. And it's like, well, why are you waiting to work for the company to get into it? why not get your hands dirty now if if you if you like woodworking or if you want to start you know building your own products why wait for the company for that company to teach you teach you how to build their stuff why not to start because some of the most impressive things is seeing people, they'll attach photos of mm. boats or surfboards or guitars, stuff that they they make. It's like, okay, I can get a, a, a better gauge of your quality and tools that you've used if you're already kind of making stuff on your own. You know, mm. uh, I, 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 I think Rustic Percussion, uh, Ryan oh, Langford he you started s- his... I was going to talk His, about that. You stop talking yeah, right now. Take it that, back, that's, Jamil. That's, We're striking that, it from the record. That's mine. <laughs> yeah. That's mine. I'll take that. Um, yeah. And uh, he, he just, you know, he didn't wait. He he was always a, a, a huge advocate of BSP and a fan of us. Mm. And always very verbose. He'd come to our, our, our booth and just talk. he just bounced from person to person. Just such a likable, great person. <laughs> but he was a person that just started out of his, not even out of his garage, probably out of his house um, that uh-huh. he had, out of, you know, and just started making stuff himself that, mm-hmm. you know, to, for his own purposes, making slapsticks and, and, and tone blocks. And, you know, that's that's one of those things that, you know, we get that question a lot where people are like, how do I start? And it's like, why are you waiting for us to teach you when you could learn? You'd be a lot better off learning and making mistakes on your own. And then showing us what you've made so far. I mean, you have ideas in your head already of an instrument that you, you wanted to make. And if you look back at how Eric started the program, he, he said, or started BSP, he started with, you know, hey, this is something, I, there's nothing on the market that I like playing with. So I'm going to make it myself. Here's, here's what I would I do. Had...
1: Sorry to interrupt. Here's what I would do. If, oh, I, right. if I was applying for a job at Black Swamp or really felt like my dream coming out of high school was a work for black swamp starting in like eighth grade i would take metal etching classes (laughs) and i would get so good at making just like making beautiful huge murals on metal just etching these beautiful things and then when eric is like well what qualifications do you have to work here i would go right to the nut of what i think eric does when no one's looking when his wife leaves town, when his kids are gone, I think he just gets out a piece of metal and starts etching shit on it. Am I right?
2: Uh yes and no. He put in a lot of time. Uh, you bite your tongue, Jamel,
1: that's time. exactly what he does. And you know, <laughs> no, it. That's, you know That's it. exactly what no, anyway, that's uh, point is is like look at what the company look at look at because the people who are running Black Swamp are people. They have it's clear to me that Eric really enjoys making these beautiful the shells are all like, you know, that stuff's amazing. And if you can Anyway, it like it's just like look at the skill sets that are required for the job you're doing and just yes. be good at them. You know, like don't walk that, into the don't, that don't walk I in do and expect with. they're going to show you everything.
2: That's yeah, that's um, exactly. Because, so, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Timmy. I no, I've been talking the mic here.
0: No, it's cool. Um No, I was going to use sort of rustic percussion in Ryan to as an example for all that because he uh j- similar to Eric had kind of an entrepreneurial spirit i think and also had an idea and and Ryan you know he kind of started with these tone blocks or temple blocks i guess and um and he was like hey i have this idea would you guys mind if i did it <laughs> like why would we mind like because we had already you know we'd known each other for several years we were kind of friends i'm like no man you you roll with you roll with it and and he did and and they look and they sound great you know he also has uh, obviously he's kind of grown up in social media so he he gets that he gets how to he's got a cool logo he knows how to promote himself and now he's sending stuff you know around the world and 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 i think that's that is kind of what it, it takes you kind of have to have the a little bit of drive and spirit and and an idea and then like you were saying or we were saying earlier, maybe surround yourself, begin to surround yourself with some people. Like, okay, maybe you're not the most social media savvy or you don't really understand how that works. You got to find somebody that does. Maybe you employ your girlfriend or your wife or your husband or whatever. Um, Or, um, okay, I need some help with manufacturing. So I need to sort of start to outsource this or talk to people. And Mm -hmm. I I think Ryan, I mean, again, to come, come back to that, uh, just because we know him, we've known him for several years, is I kind of done a, a good job starting to put that together. Um, you know, we do get inquiries a lot about whether we have internships, you know, because <laughs> um, if they can kind of come work here. And we have, you know, maybe one in the past, and it was sort of a favor to a, a friend of a friend type of thing. But it, it's just kind of hard because even though we, I know we I think what you were maybe alluding to you know we've made it you know we're this successful company and maybe we look larger than we actually are because you know right now in the office there's I think Eric's still here I see his car so he's somewhere Um, and Jamel and myself and there's two three other guys that are still kind of furloughed and then our bookkeeper is kind of coming in on a limited time so you know we're really not a huge company so in, in order to kind of facilitate an internship it's almost too big for too big for us. It's amazing
1: how, I mean, this is one of the things that I think is interesting when people, somebody referred to soap percussion as an institution and, or they look, (laughs) we start to get questions about like, and again, it's like, uh, I I think they're legitimate questions, but when people start to question like, well, why don't you have this in your organization? I'm just like, do you, do you, have you ever run an organization? Like I, I agree with you. I wish that we had a policy in terms of like, like there was somebody came in once and was just like, why are all of your receipts not locked in a filing cabinet, at least 23 feet away from every non full-time employee. I'm like, what in the hell are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Get the hell out. No, I can barely play four mallets. Like that's, I'm not worried. I'm worried about my rice piece and my left mallet flying out of my hand. I'm not going to measure where my receipts are kept near my intern. You know, like, do you understand what it takes to run a like you I think a people look at organizations and they're like they they assume everybody's Google and that there's right. like that everything is like this well oiled machine. It's like, man, every day Black Swamp doesn't exist tomorrow unless you three and your CFO decide to wake up and put your shoes on and come in. Like that's how fragile all of this is. And so to assume that you guys have like this when i say you've made it of course i'm i of course you have (laughs) you know you you built you built something out of nothing essentially but you know other people don't see it that way i Uh it's hard for me to see it that way i see you guys i've known you tim when you were the only contact at black swamp i didn't even know eric was there it was just like (laughs) you and eric you know and yeah. it's now to this thing now where i'm seeing advertisements i'm in like europe and i see random advertisements for black swamp in a very tiny university in the middle of london you know like oh yeah that's not that's a that's a symptom of something good i think you know yeah. so anyway cool. um
0: yeah. i have a question yeah please so y- you guys have a board though right we do yeah okay so what is what obviously that's not day to day stuff so what no. is what what happens in the board room then like what Um, kind of decisions are well that's a good direction
1: prior to the coronavirus outbreak we were in a process of doing a lot of board development i mean initially if you're not i mean you guys don't have a board right
0: Uh, no no, because you're you're
1: a for-profit organization or an llc or whatever it is but non-profit organizations for folks who don't know need to have a board of directors minimum of at least in state of new york it's minimum of four people you have to meet a certain amount of times a year there's all these rules governing you know robert's you have rules to keep of order your
2: and all that stuff
1: yeah. and it's all again <laughs> stuff there wasn't a class of like robert's rules of order and messian you know at yale when i was there it was
0: right
1: you, you got one you didn't get the other and so yeah but we get together with the board and initially it was like it's like david lang Larry's on our board, um, some close friends of ours, and it's initially sort of in advisory capacity, and that's still a lot of what they do, but we're, we were sort of transitioning with the help of a development director, um, transitioning our board into something that's a little bit more fiduciary in terms of, uh, not that they needed to be rich people, but that they were, their mindset was less of a, like, Hey, you guys need help learning what a budget is, and now we need to have people thinking about how to fundraise to make that budget happen. You know, um, and so keeping having people on our board who, you know, can bring in money is a thing that boards do for nonprofit organizations, and that was something our board never functioned as because I just felt bad having my best friends like Larry Snyder on the board and being like, "By the way, Larry, you have to give us fifteen thousand dollars, or you're off the board." Like that's, <laughs> that's what. Nice. Bigger organizations do. They have what's called a give or get, and if you don't give twenty thousand dollars, you at least you have to bring in twenty thousand dollars from fifteen different donors or whatever. And if you don't, you're politely you're shown the door. You know, um, we're not the type of organization that could look any of our friends in the face and ever do that. Um, but we've been growing it, and that's sort of where we're at now. And the board, our board, functions to help us strategize mainly sort of like we plop down everything we're doing in front of them. They never look us in the eye and say, you need to play Christopher Rouse instead of, you know, Caroline Shaw. What they say is all of these concerts look great. We think your salaries are too low and we, you know, you need to raise those. And we think you, why is your touring budget so high this year? You know, they, they'll ask questions of things just to sort of like make sure that what we told them we want to do is what's actually happening um yeah. and then they help us sort of think big picture like what do you guys know these are all this is great this is five years from now and you're commissioning xyz person and you're playing here and there but where what are you doing in 20 years like where? where do you want to be we need to be thinking about that too and so that's pre-pandemic that was what our board was predominantly focused on but now during the pandemic they're all dealing with their own crises too so yeah we've tried to keep them involved but also understand that like what an organization can rely on their board for these days is now just different than it was before. And so we're, we're asking them for advice. Um, They look at our budgets, they help us think about, there's a million grant programs out there for specifically COVID relief and how they all, how people hear about them are from various sources. And it's like, cause nobody's, there's not like the, certainly the government isn't helping anybody keep this stuff organized. It's just sort of like a fire hose being sprayed all over the place and you're just grabbing what you can and hoping not to drown. Um, and so our board has, has been helping us with that stuff a lot too. So,
0: yeah, cool. Yeah, I was always been curious. So, so the four of you are running all like full day to day
1: operations. Yeah, and we have playing. we have an operations director, Shelby blesinger McKay. Oh, right, right, right. She's, a, she's a great percussionist. Uh, has a trio called Troika Percussion, um, and honestly having shelby in the organization it's like she's a percussionist and so she's really organized and does all the operations stuff great but she's also a drummer so there she understands what it is that we're doing and when we mm-hmm. say we are going to play play at ease her head is like where am i going to get six timpani you know <laughs> most people a violinist wouldn't have any clue you know so like it's it's a real blessing to have somebody like Shelby in the mix. We have a, a an, an admin assistant, John Stapleton, who is in there part time and he sort of helps Shelby deal with just like filing receipts and all that stuff so that Shelby can yeah. help us zoom out a little bit more. But yeah. in terms of the day to day stuff, Shelby sort of is the hub, but the four of us are very hands on, especially now like running Soci, dealing with gigs, booking, um, managing budgets. Like Eric and I are checking, Eric just had a baby. So he's been sort of on paternity leave for a second, but you know, he and I are meeting every couple weeks to determine what so's drop dead date is. Should the Mm -hmm. pandemic, like let's say there's never a vaccine and we have to cancel our spring touring. Like, unfortunately, no matter what people want to think about how awesome it is to be in so percussion right now, we're also having meetings that are like, well, April of (laughs) next year it is. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> we're throwing a big party in april if there's no virus vaccine you know and um um so it's like stuff like that 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 um we are still very hands-on and and um just and i think it's maybe not the healthiest thing all the time but i think if this thing goes down i think the four of us want to make sure that it's definitely our fault and there's We've we've looked at every corner of this for every dime that we can to make sure our salaries and our staff are employed. You know, we haven't reduced any yeah. staff. We haven't fired anybody. Nobody's on unemployment. Um, and we basically said, like, we'll keep the pedal to the metal until till the car slows to a stop. <laughs> <laughs> There's
0: till you run out of gas till we run yeah. out of gas. Uh, so what how is SOCi done now or are you like in the middle of it?
1: No, so she's So-si. done. It was July okay. 16th to the 26th or something like it, it was two weeks. Okay. And it was awesome. I mean, we did a we had 23 premieres of, of new pieces that were all remotely collaborated on. And um, the students all made videos for we, we there's a program called Soundtrap okay. that was like a database where you could upload a file into online. And then edit it in real time. There, it was kind of like Google Docs. There's Eric oh, okay. going to sure, yeah. obsessively metal etch etch something in metal. I hope, <laughs> um, you know, where you could sort of like Google Docs, but it was like first like Logic sort of. And so we we did a big NC. We did um, uh, and uh, all these brand new pieces. And I I learned a lot about editing and lining up yeah. attacks and all these other things in, in soundtrap <laughs> that were after the fact. But um, but yeah, it was great. I mean, it was. Totally wild so even to if
0: even if there's no no vaccine in the immediate future like do you see so percussion going that direction like more kind of sponsored I, online performances or virtual I stuff or I
1: think well the weird the hard thing for us is the live streaming thing is tricky because we don't all live in the same state so like yeah. I live in Connecticut and so just like if I wanted to go to New York
0: Wait you're all, you're not all in uh, Brooklyn right now? You don't all live in Brooklyn? No, no. That's disappointing. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) One guy
1: does. We're Brooklyn-based only by one person. So once Eric moves out of Brooklyn, we have to say New Jersey-based. I see. Which doesn't quite roll off the tongue as... (laughs) It's not as as glamorous. Brooklyn-based does, yeah. (laughs) Lawrenceville, New Jersey-based. So percussion. (laughs) Um, But no, yeah. So it's harder for us to just like show up and do a live stream thing from our show or from our studio. I think also we everybody's got kids that are going back to school. My wife works in a church, so she's really worried about getting her parishioners sick. Um, Uh So we've, we've really just been like, let's just get good at the remote thing. So she was great. And the other thing too, is let if touring gets canceled in the spring and we've got this infrastructure that allows us to work and interface with people online, then that hopefully could be a revenue stream for us in the event that something else goes, we're just really hesitant to, put all of our eggs in the live streaming basket because there's just no tell. I mean, if one of us got coronavirus, (laughs) you know, we have to cancel it. You know, it's over for two weeks. Your, your whole program shot. So,
0: yeah. Um, well just kind of stepping back a bit, like talking about maybe how we have to approach things differently as a company. Like I think it's now that, you know, since COVID, um, I think it's sort of similar where uh, we have to think I mean manufacturing is one thing I mean our our wood shop hasn't gone anywhere but as far as marketing goes and working with artists and educators and starting yeah. to feel out how they're approaching performing differently how they're approaching teaching differently and then how we can kind of adapt to that and some of it is is definitely a why didn't I think of that before the type of thing? Which, which mm-hmm. honestly is the case even with product design and, and other things with the business. It's like, oh, why didn't we think of that 10 years ago? But, you know, I've done um, uh, last several years, I do a couple tours a year where I visit schools, uh, universities mm-hmm. in a certain area. I take a bunch of gear, I talk about history, you know, little PowerPoint thing. We play through product. Well, obviously, I'm not going to be traveling. So how can I put this together as a, as a as a Zoom presentation or a total video presentation? So, <laughs> kind of starting to work on, on that type of stuff. I think you know, Jamel, specifically, and myself, we're a little ahead of the game with like even video production. So, I mean, you were right. I mean, Jamel does all the the kind of recording and mastering for our sound samples and for our, our shop videos. I do all the the final cut editing uh there's another guy here nathan who's also pretty involved in in the video recording aspect and, and mm-hmm. getting footage so we we do kind of collaborate on that so fortunately like doing video type stuff or or uh online content um i think we're we're already in a better position you know we went from using our iphones you know running around taking to video stuff to getting, you know, going through a couple different high def cameras, um, you know, nice mic set up. And so I think we're kind of ahead of it there. It's just deciding, okay, what type of content do we now need to start working on? Like, you know, PASIC is virtual this year. So how can we, you know, whether we're not even sure how if we're going to be involved in that. So but how can we do something in tandem? That sort of are they charging
1: money in in the exhibition hall for zoom? Uh, uh, that I don't know. Are they yet. charging I by square footage again? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, there's <laughs> some sort of,
0: um, yeah, there's I'm I don't either. I haven't seen it or it hasn't been rolled out yet. Some sort yeah. of plan for an a virtual exhibit hall and and vendor well, participation and stuff like that. So.
1: I gotta say, I mean the 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 initial sort of trauma and shock of the lockdown and film, like oh my god I'm never gonna see people again. Yeah, that sucks to not be in person, but. You know, I did, I think when the pandemic happened, I had, I was on my like 83rd podcast and that felt like, wow, I've done 83 of these. This is crazy. Yeah. I'm at like 175 now. Like I did a hundred yeah, yeah. and I talked to people because I had been prior, I had been saying I can't do a podcast unless I'm in person. Right now I, I've talked to the two of you more today than I have in the prior 15 years of the organization. right and i think that says something that should say something to all of us that yeah this is not ideal but if we are communicating more right now easily with this then let's use this as a superpower rather than a kryptonite you know what i mean like yeah sure let's figure out how to get get people face to face to face let's figure out how to how to you know, you can take people into your shop now and show them how to tuck a tambourine where it's done. Yeah. You never did that before, yeah. you know? And so yeah. percussion, we can do the same. I mean, people can... I you know, I was mixing... it's At soci uh, I was mixing some of the students' stuff. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be mixing your stuff. And they're like, what does that mean? They didn't even know what mixing was. Yeah. And I was like, oh, they're like, my five is a little off. My five tuplet was a little off. I was like, well, I'm going to be editing here in a second. I can just... Let me fix it. They're like, well, but I need... Let me show you what So Percussion does. (laughs) Because time in a studio, it's a thousand bucks a day. So we can't always, you can't, sometimes you can't afford to just go re record your five tuplet. And so what our engineer does is they go in and clip a little bit off of each one of those hits and scooch them all over. Now it's a five tuplet. And I, I, so I, I would share my Zoom screen and show them how I did it. And they were like, oh, you guys cheat. And I was like, so does bon jovi everybody. so does taylor swift <laughs> yeah. so does ev- so did queen so did everybody like we don't do this on stage obviously you try to play your five right, right. but what i'm teaching you now is a different thing and that was something i never would have done at sosi didn't have right. the opportunity to and so i'm, it was I'm a pretty sure
0: that i'm pretty sure Meehan perkins does it right every time Every record, I don't, I don't think they they're going lied. in quant. I, <laughs> I don't think they're think, quantizing I think, stuff.
1: I think Todd puts a quantizer on Doug when they play live, <laughs> just so it squashes, it compresses everything Doug does into like an eighth note grid. So Todd just has a prayer sorry. of hanging on. Well, sorry, go so, ahead, Tim. So
0: yeah, that. Uh, so that this is totally off subject. Like you and Todd's sort of online yeah. faux like um, WWF, uh wwf i think yeah. wwf <laughs> right i think that's the most hilarious thing like has that have you guys always had that relationship or is that kind of something that like grew it's a good,
1: it's a good question todd is a todd well todd founded one of the was, is one of the founding members of so and the what right. i've learned now that i'm in my 16th year in the organization is that a lot of the way shit is given in the organization. I don't know how shit is given at black swamp. I'm sure it's given in its own unique way (laughs) and various ways, but it's so percussion, the way people give shit to each other, I think derives from it's very passive aggressive, very underhanded like Uh like it's always a backhanded compliment or like and when i say backhanded i mean two hands backhanded right (laughs) in the face and and it turns out todd todd is the sort of like pot stirrer in the organization and he would always do it and then be like he would point to somebody else and it would you know anyway so todd todd and i have a very similar sense of humor i just do it out loud and todd is very more under the radar and so i when we would hang out at you know if, if me- former members of so would play with us or, you know, we do play or something and, you know, we've crossed paths a bunch and Todd and I would always end up sitting together and just howling, making fun of everybody else. at The tape, just right. The mockery of Adam Slavinsky when me and Todd are in the room, <laughs> poor Adam. I-, I mean, I owe that man my life because I just, it's, but so, so online, I think Todd and I just really love the, like, I hate when people take, I think it's important that people take your tambourine role seriously. It is true that you need to have a good one in order to get in the Cleveland Orchestra. I also think it can be true that it's hilarious that we spend so much time on a tambourine roll that we'll invest in beeswax and we'll invest in sandpaper. And there's arguments and there's whole, like, la- that we call them labs at PASIC. Like, yeah. I don't think they're unimportant, but I also think it's true that it's funny. And so I'm able I want to be able I want us as a society to be able to hold those two thoughts in our heads equally and know that they're okay to be there. And so Todd and I are just and Todd's whole like MO with his videos is just ruthlessly mocking everything. Yeah. Whether it be his own yeah. students, like have you seen the videos where he's like the kid's got a backpack on, and it's all about the excuses you give when you're in lessons? <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> like oh i had yeah. it last week can we just talk i would like can i just really need to talk to you about something like those those right. lessons and i just i don't know that's where i really yeah. uh, i really enjoy todd
0: my favorite i've told him this before is when he like he's had his kids in videos and he sort of chews his kids out you know what what happened to my vic firth you know x whatever mallet version mallet and they're just sitting there looking at him like i we we have no idea what you're talking about or or you had the board meeting with all the stuffed animals. And yeah. Stuff. So <laughs> well, I he, think it's he, hilarious.
1: Um, I don't know if you know his wife, Jessica, but I. If you ever are in their house, it's very clear that Todd has and rightfully so like Todd, like it's it's Jessica is the smartest person in the house. And then it's. Jack and then Luca, maybe they're fighting for second place. And Todd is right. just like those videos are like nobody wants to play with Todd, so he's just has a camera setting up in his house, <laughs> and now he's doing he's doing all the ones where he's like cooking or slicing watermelon, you know, like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I he's one of my favorite people on the planet, and um, yeah. he's a really good teacher, and I think I think it's worth sometimes us all laughing at ourselves a little bit. So,
0: well, and it's we definitely run the gauntlet here at work, and I know Jamel sort of jamel is my todd Meehan and i am his adam Slewinski. if that makes sense so good you keep that up jamel yeah he claims that i'm a you know i'm an easy target so and i i i could take you but we definitely yeah there's definitely a uh, sort of air of it's camaraderie but it it can also it's there's a lot of
1: making fun of each other ruthlessly i don't know about you it's definitely go ahead go ahead no no go
2: ahead oh I mean, it's definitely, I mean, (laughs) and everyone gets it. I mean, you can almost say that's kind of the initiation when someone starts working here uh, is when you start getting made fun of. I mean, you can't wear any new item of clothes (laughs) Uh, without it being pointed out as, you know, Tim comes in with shorts. He never wears shorts during the summer. It's like, oh, my gosh, I've seen your knees. Like, we we call it (laughs) running the gauntlet because, you know, you're going to get beat up because when you know, if uh, if Eric hears me, you know, uh, <laughs> teasing Tim, then he's going to jump on and it's yeah. just a pile on.
1: I, I I have a I mean, there's all the stuff. I, I totally agree that we shouldn't bully people like you need to be appropriate, all of that stuff. But I also don't trust organizations or people who won't give each other a little shit, because yep. if you there there's a reason for it, I think like running an organization like you all run, it's not easy. You have to learn to do a million things that you, you didn't set out to learn and you maybe don't even want to learn. And so if you can't take someone calling out the fact that your knees are showing and I've never seen them, then this is going to be a long ride. Do you realize how yeah. shitty this job is and how little yeah. pay you get? Like, come on. now. Like, so percussion, it's like, you know, I'm going to give Adam crap ruthlessly or people who are subbing with us or playing with us. It's like, bro, we're going to be loading a van at four in the morning like i need you i need you right now to be able to deal with this otherwise <laughs> yeah. you're going to crumble and and it's <laughs> right. you know again not always healthy in fact rarely is it a healthy thing to lead with that all the time but i think a little uh, being able to deal with a little bit of friction like that amongst your colleagues okay. is probably healthy it's
0: it's healthy for sure but and there's definitely things that have happened eight ten years ago that's still that's still comes oh, yeah. I mean, almost on a daily basis just never goes away uh, just yeah it's funny but
1: well hey i yeah. i unfortunately have to go get a covid test not because i'm sick but because a venue that we're playing next friday is requiring me to have a covid test okay the results aren't going to come back for 15 days so
2: oh so, so it's pointless who
1: knows? <laughs> i don't know we're okay. living this, like, I I don't know. I got this email from the venue and they're like, you need to have this COVID test within the prior nine days. And I said, well, they told me eight to 15. They're like, well, I was like, well, I'm going to show up. So if you don't let me in, that's on you, but I will have had my COVID test. Welcome to chaos 2020, you know, like (laughs) I don't know what to tell you, Um, but I got to go get that knocked out. But guys, it has been really nice to catch up with you. And um, I hope that this podcast turned out okay for you all to use. I know I use some language that, you know, I hope your adult listeners have heard but i know that there's students involved and i don't ever want them to feel weirded out but it's been awesome to chat talk with you all this it's really nice to hear other people not have all the answers but have had thoughts and sort of being you're in a similar we're we're in different boats but the same storm and it, it yeah, feels sure. nice to sort of talk with you all about it uh no,
0: yeah I no, I totally agree, and I know we've been kind of going back and forth, uh, probably for a couple months, like trying to kind of (laughs) figure this out. There's some stuff going on. It's all right. Oh yeah, yeah. So uh, no, it's great to talk to you, and um, so thank you, I appreciate it.
2: Yeah, thanks, Josh. It was great talking to you.
1: Um, Well, and and my on my end, if um, I would love, I know you guys do different people all the time, but I my door's always open. If there's anything you ever want to chat about, something new you guys are releasing, some new initiative you're all doing. Even if it's just a hop on for 10 minutes and chat, don't hesitate to reach out.
2: I mean, my question is I saw you guys do uh, a prepared uh, cactus uh, during the NPR tiny desk concert. I'm waiting for you guys to do some kind of prepared pet animal. Um, because i just think that and, and but in completely in the so style like i just want like the dog to whimper at the right time or a bird to chirp at the right time I, or you're playing on a, a a turtle's uh shell uh a we, live turtle or a okay, tortoise
1: now, we haven't used yeah. live torto tortai but um we, uh, is tortai the the per, the plural of tortoise it is now sure, we'll I, go I, I, with it. Th- we'll say it, we'll we'll say it is Um, my final story here, just to show you, we have used dogs. I have anyway. Um, I had to learn how to use final cut, not just for so, but because my wife's a pastor and she had to make church services every Sunday. And so I had to help her film them at home and I, and I didn't know how to use final cut. So I, I took two films of my dogs doing, hitting bongos and then made a (laughs) law and order theme song video with like, (laughs) boom, boom, bump. And my, my, and Sasha's playing the clave, the stick click. (laughs) Boom, boom. Uh, yeah. so it was just like i gotta learn how to do something so i just filmed them for two seconds hitting bongos and it i'll send it to you it's really telling of my process awesome. and where, where i've come so yeah um all right guys well stay safe stay healthy and um and i hope you're all doing well tell eric i said thank you for letting me have you uh this hour and a half here i hope it didn't kill the productivity there at the at the office but it was fun yeah we're all Not good Thanks, all. thank man. you very much all right take care you guys see you
0: This has been a BSP production, recorded and produced out of the Black Swamp Percussion Home Studios. Audio and production assistance by Jamal Taylor and Nathan Coles. Intro and outro music by Adam Hopper.